Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's backbone. Welcome to episode 78. My guest is Lauren Boyd. Well, good evening. I'm sitting here with Miss Lauren Boyd. How are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful, Brad. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited that you're doing this because you're such a fantastic energy. You're such a fantastic woman and performer. Thank you. And I've gotten to get to know you uh, these past couple months. And so I was honored that you said yes. Thank you. I was honored you asked me. Well, of course. <laughs> so I'm going to read just your major credits. Okay. You did the West Side Story Tour. You yes. did the Wicked Tour. Yes. And currently you are on a leave of absence from the Broadway company of Hamilton. Yes. To do a pre-Broadway tryout of a show called Sign of the Times. Yes. And is there anything else that I'm missing that you love? That sounds pretty good, Brad. I think you got it. <laughs> okay, great. Well, where are you from and how did you get started? Well, I'm from... West Covina, I was born there. I'm from San Dimas. It's in Los Angeles proper, like if any of you don't know, which, you know, most people don't. I grew up just a really shy, really timid kid, and so I loved dancing and performing. I watched my mom dance. That was what she loved to do, and so that was the best way I could express myself, and moving was just an outlet for me. So my mom would put on the music, and I would just roll on the floor and jump up and jump down and just... Elton John was, like, the thing back then. Oh, I'm yes. giving away my age right now, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I just loved expressing myself that way. And it was an outlet, like I said. Well, what type of dance did you grow up? You have such fluidity when you when you move. <laughs> it, you do. It's, it's like a rippling water. It's so graceful. Oh, uh, thank you. I think it kind of started back then, too. I just loved being fluid, and, and I loved watching ballerinas on PBS. PBS... And uh, Michael Jackson VHS and Ballroom VHS and Riverdance. Like those VHS, those three, and PBS were the, the main things that I watched as a kid growing up. So I didn't have really a lot of access to any other television. I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of television growing up, but those three VHS tapes. And PBS, I was allowed to watch. So I would just rotate between those things. I wanted to be in American Ballet Theater's company when I grew up. Like, my AIM address was LMB, my initials, ABT Principal. So, wow. That was. You were setting your intentions then. I was. I absolutely was. Like, playing my little Carmen San Diego game. And then right next to it was my little AIM address. Like, little pop-up and messaging my friends, which I didn't have many, but (laughs) like I said, I was shy. And so what type of training did you actually, formal training did you have? I trained as a classical ballet dancer. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, my mom's a dance teacher. Let me back up. My mom's a dance teacher. (laughs) She stopped her career early to raise me, and when she was raising me, she had her own dance company which is an after-school dance program that is from, you know, preschool all the way up to high school. She has so much patience. My goodness. This woman, she's amazing. My hero. And she's in town right now. She is. She is in town. Yeah, this whole weekend she's seeing me perform. She's my, my number one hero, my critic, my manager, but my best friend, you know. And it's amazing. I'm so grateful to have her here. But she had this company that she had just started, you know, when I was little. She would have me come 
and sit in the front of the, her classes and show the kids how to stretch and be the first one to show them how to do, you know, Sinead turns across the floor. And I hated it. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to show the kids how to do this. I just want to be in my own studio, like not in my mom's studio because, you know, it's embarrassing. Yes. Right? You never want to do, you know, what your mom says to do. You know, you just want to be with your friends in their studio because they have the better studio, right? <laughs> More legit. But anyways, a friend of mine, her mom was teaching ballet and I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to do classical ballet. Like, that seemed beautiful to me and I had seen that on PBS, like I said. Yeah. So, I asked my mom, you know, mom, can I, can I do that? Can I go to my friend's class? So, she was hesitant because, you know, she loved having me as her little volunteer and yeah. showing the kids the stretches, but she let me go when I was, I think, nine, nine or 11, somewhere in that age, because I had done some, like, competition classes with this little friend that I had met in these competitions that I had done. And so she let me go, and I, I fell in love from then on there. And I got my point shoes very quickly, and it was like Christmas Day. It was, I got them on my birthday. I put them right over my socks. Because <laughs> I didn't know how to wear them. I just like put them over my socks and got right up on my points. And I was just so excited and so happy. But I also knew that like my parents like really had a hard time like affording all of this stuff. Oh. So it was like it was something that I had to take very, very seriously and work very hard at. And I could only go to the places for summer intensives that I was scholarshiped to. So I either really, really needed this and really, really wanted this or I needed to pick something else. Were they also strict or were they conservative? But also it seems like very nurturing. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I was homeschooled mm. uh, first through sixth grade. So I think that was a big, big part of just me, you know, constantly being in my mom's classes, constantly having that one-on-one -on -one with my mom and her nurturing, like you said, and just being with me. And I don't think without her, I would have been able to succeed and been able mm. to been where I was. But I was just so focused and I knew that's what I wanted to do. If I didn't have the passion for it, I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. Because you have to have the passion and the love for it. This is something that is not easily attainable without really wanting it and really going for it. Yeah. You have to want this with your innermost being. Like I would watch shows from the nosebleed section and ache inside, like in my gut, because I wasn't on stage. Yeah. And I know most of my friends were the same way. Some of my friends who weren't, I was like, then why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was so confused. I didn't understand that they didn't have that achy feeling. Like, I had to be on stage. I had to be performing. Like, for instance, the first time I had seen Wicked back in 2007, it was that same gut feeling. I literally, I was in the very back row of the Pantages Theater on the very house right side with my mom and it was that like I could throw up feeling mm. like why am I not on that stage like ma I can do this like this is I'm telling you I'd never sung before in my life and it wasn't like a direction that I was even considering musical theater right. like was not something but it was just like this new like 
spark that had stirred up inside me. Like, the only thing I had known at that point in 2007 was ballet. Right. And it was performing and dancing. I just knew. Well, when did your your passion go from being a ballerina to becoming musical theater? When I was 18, actually. Yeah, around that time. It was when ballet became a little bit more of, I could tell that it wasn't the direction I needed to go. It was the training I needed. Yes. But it, it wasn't the path that was for me. There was kind of like this fork in the road happening where I had been asked to stay at Pacific Northwest Ballet for their year. And it was something that I had always wanted. I always wanted to stay at a ballet school for a year. It wasn't sitting right with me, and I didn't know why at the time. I had to pray about it, and I had to think about it, and I was like, I think I need to go back home to L.A., and see what else is out there. Hmm. So I went back home and started auditioning for a bunch of different things. Because I knew I was good at other types of dancing, just from what my mom, her classes were like. She had tap and jazz and hip-hop and stuff. And the little competitions that I had done when I was 9 and 10. So just having a little bit of that, like that extra little flair, which is in me already, the Puerto Rican and Italian, like Mm. that extra spiciness that like when I would be in ballet class they would play like Harry Potter in the piano or they'd play Michael Jackson Mm. in the piano and I would kind of like groove a little bit during my plies I was like something is different in me than is in all the rest of these little bunheads so I knew that I was like maybe I shouldn't be standing at a ballet bar the rest of my life maybe I need to be doing something a little bit funkier a little bit different yeah so going to back to LA was the best decision because I ended up getting a job at Disneyland, which was completely opposite. I was dancing on pavement. I was in the parades, having the best time of my <laughs> life, like dancing with the Pixar characters, dancing with Mickey and Minnie, and and having you know a great time. It was a, a complete blast. Yeah. And I did that for about a year, and then I learned how to dance on a number line because I was in the Aladdin show. That was the first time I had ever learned how to do something musical theater. Mm. I was on a number line, dancing and singing at the same time, and that was the turnaround for me, was at 18, 19 years old. Very interesting. So how did you end up getting your equity card? At Aladdin, I was Agva. They gave me an Agva card, and I ended up just being with them for about a year and then sistered in. Oh, to okay. Equity, which was like really easy. That's great. Yeah. So on the way here, you talked about how you spent seven years on the road. Mm-hmm. So how did West Side Story come into your life? And did you do the original Jerome Robbins Broadway choreography? I did. Yeah. What was really awesome was that it was Arthur Lawrence's last oh. production before he passed, and it was the first national of the last Broadway production that they've done. Well, it was half Spanish. The, half, the one that Lynn worked on. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, well, before that, I had done a couple of cruise ship jobs. Oh. So I had done Europe, and I had done the Mediterranean, and I had done Caribbean and all of that. So I had done two different contracts of that through Royal Caribbean. I don't really like to talk about that. Like, who likes to talk about cruise ship jobs? But it you was toured actually, the world. It was really great, and I got to get paid for it. Yeah. And it was a great experience then. I wouldn't go back to it now. But it was lovely, and I saved a lot of money. And then after that, I came home, and I had auditioned for Wicked, you know, back as soon as I could, which was 18, because, you know, that was the show that kind of was the pivoting point for me to 
really want to pursue musical theater. Corinne McFadden, I, I went up to her, I was like, is there anything I can work on? She said, well, you're a little too young. I said, I can work on that. <laughs> so <laughs> I came back in the next six months because, you know, they have to have auditions every six months. And the same thing, you know, is there something I can work on? She said, you're still too young. Okay, good to know. And so in between all of these times of me auditioning, I was going for work again and again doing the cruise ship jobs, and then I booked West Side Story. So that was awesome. Yes, it was the original uh, Jerome Robbins choreography. So cool. Yeah, uh, Joey McNeely. I worked with him. He's um, <laughs> he's crazy. He's, <laughs> he's so funny. I love him. I adore him. And it was, it was fun working with him. And the entire cast was so young at the time. We were babies, but... Arthur loved the fact that we were just so vibrant and new and I didn't know at the time like how exciting this production was because mm. we were working at the Duke Studios which are now the 40 the new 42 studios. Yes. It was just a once in a lifetime experience for me and for for everybody that was there because all of these amazing West Side Story like original production people were in that room like with us. Leonard Bernstein's son was in the room. Like, it was incredible. And getting to work with these amazing, talented artists who are now off doing Broadway shows, who are in their own Netflix original shows, who are, you know, in Hamilton with me now is so, it's exciting. Just really, really talented people. And then when I was on tour with West Side Story, I get a call from Wicked. They were like, oh, we'd love for you to to come and join our company. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's so exciting. I said, but you know, I, I just joined this cast and my contract doesn't end until such and such a date. And they said, oh, okay, well, thank you so much. I just couldn't believe it. I it was like, wow, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. I was like, I turned down Wicked. But I just knew that, you know, this business is so small. You don't want to burn any bridges. No. And you have to keep your commitments. That's just my personal thing. But, like, it's so true. Once you make a commitment, you have to just follow it through. And, you know, something good is going to come out of it because it just will. You, you want to, you know, follow through. And people are going to see that you're, A, a professional. B, you're just someone who knows how to get the job done. Yes, Absolutely. And not be a flake. Yeah. So. No, it's very, very important. Your worth ethic is just as important as your talent. Absolutely. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, okay. I turned down Wicked. This is horrible. <laughs> but you know what? I'm, this is exciting, too. This West Side Story is amazing. You know, I'm doing Lynn's vocals. I'm understudying a role. This is awesome. Nice. Yeah. And you speak Spanish? No, I didn't then, but I'm learning now because there have been too many jobs where they've said, you know, do you speak Spanish? And I said, no, and so now it's a, an absolute goal of mine. It yeah. used to be my first language. Well, so then how did you, because you ended up doing Wicked. Right, so here's the thing. So they called the next day, and they said... <gasps> the next day? They called the next day. They said, when is your contract over? I said, it's, it's done in four months. I think it was like, I said in April sometime. They said, okay, April what? I said, uh, this date. Okay. They said, you, you can't, you can't. I said, no, I'm so sorry. They're like, okay, okay. Hang up. I'm like, oh, I turned it down again. But, you know, they called back. That might be a good thing. They called back the next day. They said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring someone in for four months until you can get here in April. 
I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was able to keep my commitment with West Side Story, and then I closed that show on a Sunday, flew to Florida on a Monday, and started rehearsals for Wicked on Tuesday. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, it was really... Like, the Lord was like, and here you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so then how was that? Because that was your dream show. And it's such a well-oiled machine, and it's a huge, big success. How was it stepping into something that that, it's that organized? It was incredible. It was like my four years of college. Oh, that makes (laughs) sense. Honestly, like, I went to Shiz University for four years. (laughs) I learned so much about the business about people, about how to treat others well in professionally and in work, outside of work, and during tour. It was like you are living with these people, you're touring with these people, you're working with these people. They knew when I went to the restroom, they knew like if I had a stomach ache, they knew everything about me. So it was a real learning experience, but the best it could have been because it was during my early 20s as well. Mm. So I was learning about myself <laughs> in through all of that. And everybody was just so kind as well. And the most professional mm. as well. Well, speaking of kind, you are one of the kindest people I've ever met. We've been going through a lot of stressful stuff lately. We're creating a new show. And yes. I've never seen... You mentioned your mom having patience. You have patience. You, you. just have a wonderful way about you. And I've also become aware of the fact that you have an incredible spirituality as well. Even in this interview, you've mentioned uh, the Lord several times. Mm-hmm. Your bio, you thank Jesus and you quote Psalms. Mm-hmm. So where does that lie? Because I think that for me, a spirituality is something that's very important. But it's also something that I keep very private. And I love and impressed with the fact that not only is it important to you, you express it. So where, where does that line up with you? That's always been first and foremost. Mm. Faith is my foundation. That's what keeps me grounded. And then it's my family, and then it's my friends. And then it's the career and all that. Wonderful. Thank you. And it's what's kept me sane yeah. <laughs> in this business, in this world, because everything on top of it, the, the career and musical theater is, you never know if you're going to have a job tomorrow. True. You know, you don't know if you're going to, if your Broadway show is going to close in two weeks or if you're going to have a Broadway show the next day if someone's going to call you and say, hey, you have a Broadway show. Yeah. This show is so crazy like that, which is why I love it so much. Right. So having that foundation there, having something that is so grounded and something that I can always go back to that is constant is so essential for me because I think all of us are a little bit insecure. Yes. I'm insecure, you know, and that's okay. It's okay to be insecure. It's it, We're not perfect people as much as we try to be and as much as we, you know, want to make our steps be as beautiful as possible and try to make every step exactly the same. Every show, not every show is going to be exactly the same. It's just not going to be there. But and I try to have a handle on on all of aspects of my life. Yeah. We just can't. We just can't. Yeah. I can't do that. It's, it's not possible. So as long as I just let go and let God and and know that He's got me. And when I'm unemployed, it's okay because I know that I'm good enough, and and He's got it. And when I am employed, just give Him the glory and praise because He gave me that talent to, to give to others and try to remember that this isn't just for me. This isn't a self-glorifying thing that I do because I think that's where a lot of people 
can make it seem like, oh, it's all about me, me, me. Mm. This tech, whatever it is, you know, is all about me. I want me to look good. I want this costume to make me look the best I can be or whatever it is. It's just about a single person. It's about the entire show making the entire performance as a whole look as beautiful as it can be for the audience. You yes. know, they're the ones who are coming and paying the money to see the show. And it's more selfless than anything because who are we performing for? We're performing for the audience. And me, I'm performing for the Lord, you know? Yes. So I think that's where it all comes from. It's not so much an inward thing as it is an outward thing. And I like that you use the word faith. Do you is there do you put a, a label on it for religion or Christianity or is it just a personal faith? I call myself a Christian, but more a Christ follower. Oh, yeah. okay. Jesus follower. Oh, all right. Love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also so find that in your movement, you you have grace, but it's also very sexy without being sexual. You are sensual, but there's nothing I guess to use the word cheap about it. I think that so many young girls dance. You see them, they, do, they go straight for the, the sexual card. And I think being you know, sensual is much more interesting. Is that something that has to do with your faith? It absolutely could be. I, I guess I just don't really think about it. You know, I try to be as, as modest as I can be, trying to think about you know, the men around me. I don't want, want them to, to stumble in any way. I, I also want to, you know, I'm a woman, so I want to dress nicely and yeah. you know, wear pretty dresses and things. But when it comes to dancing, I just... I guess I just haven't really thought about it. Oh <laughs> that no, because well, no, that that's great. <laughs> it's incredible to watch because it it, it has a, an elegance to it, which yeah. is much more interesting. I think it's also very old school to go back from. I mean, some of the stuff that you were watching, you know. What yeah. I mean? But you also said you have some hip hop in your life. Where did Hamilton come into your life? Which is this huge, crazy, crazy, epic of experience, and now that's where you are now. Yeah, I mean. That is just like a huge 180 from any, like, I trained as a classical ballet dancer and I'm doing a hip-hop musical. Like, <laughs> I would have never, ever thought in a million years yeah. I would be doing that. It's just the craziest, but it makes perfect sense because looking at me, you're like, oh, I, I look so different. People don't, when they look at me, they don't know what I am. They're like, what nationality are you? Because to some people I look Persian, to some people I look, uh, they don't know. Well, I don't know. Because <laughs> well, Boyd is your last name, so that's even, right? you have no right. idea. It, it makes sense, so much sense. And what I love about Andy is that we're okay to be individuals. And I don't necessarily have to be the best hip-hop dancer, mm. which I don't think I am, to be in this hip-hop show. And Andy even dances like more Fosse with his hips and pelvis forward. And he's like, he's got a very sensual like quality about yes, him he does. that I love. And I just will, he'll, when we're in rehearsals, I just sit and stare and watch him. And I'm like, oh wait, I'm supposed to be paying attention to what he's doing. But I just, he's intriguing. And I just kind of like fall into what he's doing because like, it's beautiful to watch. Anyways, to answer your question, my goodness. <laughs> I had just moved to New York from L.A. because I, I was like, I need to be in New York. This is more my pace. This is what I want to be doing. And this is where I need to be if I want to be on Broadway. And then my agent said, oh, you need to be in L.A. because they're auditioning Hamilton in L.A. I was like, okay, I just, I just came from there. So I, I flew back to Los Angeles and auditioned and met Andy for the first time there after I'd made it past all all the cuts. 
it was funny because after that audition, he was like, do you have another headshot and resume because we're auditioning for Cats? I said, yeah, I do. It wasn't stapled together, but I just threw something together and gave it to him. He's like, oh, okay, well, great. I hope to see you again. So I was, I was like, yeah, I hope to see you too. <laughs> that would be awesome. Came back to New York, didn't hear anything for a few months, auditioned again because they were having like another round was hearing the music for the first time because I, you know, I hadn't seen the show. I couldn't afford to go and I couldn't get tickets. Saw some of the movement, was really intrigued by it, really loved it. Made it past that round I, where I, well, I didn't know and didn't hear anything again. Then I got a call a few months later again that said they were doing this boot camp. And this boot camp is like a paid week of just being with the creatives, learning the show, and getting to know the material. And it's really awesome because you're with them every single day, getting to know them. And my mentality when I was in New York was, do one thing every day that's going to lead to your Broadway debut. And I had been doing that up until I had gotten this boot camp. So I was prepared. I was mentally in that space. And when I got this boot camp, I was like, all right, you have the job, just keep the job now. So during this week boot camp, it was just an opportunity for me to get to know personalities now yeah. and just enjoy each other. I just had fun, I think is, is really what it came down to, because everyone's stressed out in that it's a week long of auditions. It was a really fun process. It was supposed to be seven days. On the sixth day, they came to us and said, we've seen everything we need to see, and cut it. Oh, wow. <laughs> cut it short. We're like, okay, well, it was terrifying, but... The next week, I was supposed to go back to L.A. for a friend's wedding. Flew back to Los Angeles for this wedding for that week. While I was there, my agent called me again and said, they need to see you one more time for a final, final callback. Full day of a callback because they were looking for an immediate replacement. And that was on a Thursday. I said, okay, the wedding's on Saturday. I can probably make it. Flew back for that full long day on Thursday. It was like 7 in the morning to 10 at night. Or sorry, 10 in the morning to 7 at night. Something like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was a long day. It was, I could, I could, it was just so fun. Yeah. Because you just have to make it fun. Like at that point, like if they want me, they're going to want me. And if they don't want me, like it's okay. Yeah. You know, you just have to go with the flow and just do the best you can. And that's something I learned way later in life. Like, because at first you're thinking, you know, when you're in auditions, it's a hard process. You're not sure if it's, oh, you know, I didn't do well enough. I didn't kick my leg high enough. I forgot the choreography or whatever it is. But, but really, like, if they can tell that you can dance, then it's that's not the problem. It's it's you know just, it might just be you know they really like you, but you're just not the, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it just. It could be as any other factor. It just is crazy. I fl ended up flying back home the next day, and on the flight home, when I landed to L.A., I got a call from my agent that said, you're going to make your Broadway debut in Hamilton. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So Hamilton is the biggest show on Broadway, mm -hmm. and you are on a leave of absence. Why would you do that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, because we're currently in the middle of Delaware doing out-of-town trial called Sign of the Times. Right. But you did previous incarnation of this at Goodspeed, so it's right. a, a bit of a, a baby for you, So and you want to watch it grow. So how, how were you able to get out of Hamilton to come here for seven weeks? Uh, you'll have to ask my agent. <laughs> I don't know how she did that. 
Yeah, she didn't. She negotiated that for me. I don't know. And Hamilton said yes. They did. They must like me. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. So in this show, it's a show that takes place in 1965, and right. especially we're updating it to make it very current with um, the reflection of women's issues. Right. And now we have my new favorite choreography that you guys do is the top of Act Two. I but love it. Yeah. yeah. But it's definitely showing the hint of the Me Too movement. Right. Have you had to deal with that type of sexual harassment in your career? Thankfully not in my career. In life, yes. Really? Um, outside of it. I haven't had to deal with it in the career. Well, that's well, that's good. I'm sorry <laughs> that in, in life... No, no, it's fine. I mean, it's not fine. Right. We have a long ways to go. Yes. And the Me Too movement is really great about giving women a platform to be able to speak, but we do have a long ways to go for women to feel comfortable enough to speak and, and feel like they're actually being heard. So we'll see how it is in the next five to ten years, but I think it's it's getting there. You know, I, I think with the support that women are starting to feel, it, they'll feel a little bit more comfortable, but it's still it's a scary position to be in. Yeah. So hopefully we're on the right track. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm definitely enjoying doing the show, and it's exciting to do something that has the possibility of a future. But when we close, you go back. You get to go back to Hamilton. Yes, yes. Which is very exciting. Yes. And with Hamilton, it's a show that is definitely diverse. And we mentioned earlier that your ethnic background. So can I ask what it is? Yeah. Well, I'm. Puerto Rican and Italian and probably some other things that, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because you definitely, you have, it just, it, it's a very exotic look that I couldn't put my finger on. Well, thank you. Yes. And so I think also uh, on top of the women's issues, we've also been having some race issues, not only in yes. the world. And I think yes. show business is trying to tackle it sometimes well, sometimes not. Right. It's right. such a heated topic. Right. So have you felt discriminated against because of your your appearance? Um, thankfully, I haven't had to deal with it as much as my, you know, other co-workers have. I know they've had some pretty intense topics that, you know, they've talked to me about. But yeah, of course, I think there's only been certain shows that I have been allowed to do, like West Side Story, the Puerto Rican show, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, what's great about Wicked and Hamilton is that they are very diverse shows. What I get nervous about is, okay, what what's after this, mm. you know? Because I have a very distinct look, and that could be very good, that could be very bad yes. for me. What I do love is that social media is a great platform where I can speak to other women and other men who say, oh my gosh, you know... I look just like you, and you're on Broadway? That's awesome. That, that means that I can have a chance. They're like, and that is incredible. That, that's shocking to me, that we can all support each other and on a huge platform base. That yeah. is amazing. So it's encouraging to me because it reminds me, okay, Lauren, make sure you get those posts out there that are encouraging because it's encouraging someone, and then they can encourage you as well. So you definitely are savvy at social media. You I try. <laughs> you, but you also like to do it on a personal level. Do you find yeah. it, we've been having discussion in the men's dressing room, the importance of Instagram much more than Facebook to right. for our career. Right. So where do you use it as a career tool but also as a motivational tool for young people of color? Right. I try to really focus it on career and motivation mm. because if I'm not 
motivating someone, then what am I doing it for? Mm-hmm. But I try not to get too, too personal because I want to have, you know, some privacy. And right. I have had instances where people have shown up to the stage door that I was not expecting. Oh, wow. So that, that's been a little frightening because we as performers, people can easily find out where we work and things like that. It's, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. But I do love social media that it's such a brilliant tool. I honestly, I was listening to one of your podcasts about you talking to a casting director of do they look at our Instagram followers? Mm -hmm. I don't know how much casting directors look at our Instagram followers. I do think it's helpful if we have more followers. So not that I'm trying to like really pay attention to that kind of stuff, but I think it's, it is important. The more savvy we are just because we are our own company. Yes. You know, we're we're our own spokesperson. We're our own... What's the word I'm looking for? We're our own product. Product. That's the word I'm yes. looking for. We're our own product. Yes. So, like, it, we have to manage ourselves as, as best as we can. And, and, and really, if we're not doing it for ourselves, nobody else is going to do it for no. us. No. I just think it's a necessity at this point. No, I do too. And I can honestly say a couple of years ago, I... W- I was so against it, and now I'm realizing, no, like, I posted something, and they're like, oh, you should talk about this, that's very on-brand for you. I was like, I have a brand, and then I'm looking at what I'm starting to develop. I feel much better about when I'm posting stuff that is about outreach and things like that, Mm -hmm. because then it is still promoting me, but it's also promoting something that's good and helping other people, Right. because then I don't feel as icky about it, but then again, it's necessary, so it's like, even if it feels icky my casting director friend was like no we don't look at it for jobs but yeah i know that you have a cute dog i know he's like so we still do look at it it's a weird interesting thing i could be a lot better at it but i think i think it's a great tool yeah i do too honestly it's free yeah exactly it's free (laughs) why not use it so another tool that we have is our bodies Yes. And that's our instrument. We were talking on the way over here, just the discipline of eating. And you said at Hamilton, they just smackery's cookies show up. And, you know, right Every now day. it's the holidays. Yes. And how how do you stay disciplined and using uh, your body? And what has your relationship to body image been, especially as a woman? Yeah. Well, our bodies are our temples. And so if we're not taking care of our temples, we're, <laughs> we're going to walk in and it's going to be ugly in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> It has to be priority. There have been a few times where I've gone into a performance not taking care of myself, and it has, it has shown. And it's been embarrassing. And I've, I've told myself I will never do that again mm. because I, don't, it, I look unprofessional, and I don't like looking unprofessional. You know, For as much as I can help it, I will be on stage warmed up vocally, physically, and mentally. It's just, it's a necessity. Yeah. You know, I have to do a half hour vocal warm-up while I'm doing my makeup. I have to do a physical, if it's ballet warm-up, awesome. If it's at least some sort of yoga, Pilates warm-up, something to that effect. Because, especially now that I'm older, like, my body can't just jump into a show and do a show. It has to be warm and in the cold seasons especially too like right now i was i was sitting on my heat pack earlier and that's why i got too hot earlier i was oh. like i'm too hot now <laughs> so but, you have a company that's called broadway babes yes and what is that 
So I started this outreach program about 10 years ago. I teach TAP to senior citizens while they're either sitting in their chairs, sitting in their wheelchairs, or standing up with their canes. They love it. They think it's an absolute blast. They I think that time. is so incredible. They have a good time. Oh, Thank you. Of this in, in amazing career, what has been one of the biggest highlights that you've ever had? Getting to actually sit and watch <laughs> my, my family perform. My family never misses a performance, like ever. Wow. They have been to every single performance, out of town, in town, like anywhere I've ever been. They've seen every single show I've done. The highlight of my, my career was actually getting to sit and watch them perform. They were all in a show together. And I got to watch them perform. That's great. Like, I know that's kind of silly. That, but there's nothing silly about that. Because yeah. you talked about watching other people perform feed your soul. Yeah. And surrounding yourself with talented people feed your soul emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. So how important is that, especially when it's your family? Yeah, well, I was talking about this earlier. You have to be fed in order to feed people. I was going through a time in my life where I was so drained physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I just didn't know why when I was giving so much of myself on stage, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, I was drained completely. And someone said to me, they said, well, are you feeding yourself? And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you have to feed yourself in order to be, in order to feed. Mm. And it made so much sense. You know, we give so much of ourselves as performers every day, you know, feeding into the audience, but are we seeing shows and are we, are we getting a chance to write and, and have artistry come into our lives that is actually feeding our souls and have, you know, the friends that we love and the people that we love come into us and just lift up our spirits. Like even that is a way to lift our spirits and be fed. Well, I think that that is so great. I love that thought of feeding your soul. I mean, that's what I'm excited. That's the one good thing about unemployment is that you can go see shows and you can see shows that are discounted and you can stand in line, which is great. I'm, I was very fortunate. I've seen Hamilton twice and it was early on one standing room and I loved it standing room because I could actually move around. Yeah. I, I liked it better standing room than I did from a house seat. Oh, really? Did you and, see it first standing? Yes, I saw it first standing. Yeah, me too. So it's about feeding your soul, whether it's standing room or it's like where you saw Wicked that changed your life in the back row. Right. In the balcony. I think right. that that is amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you go so that you can do your warm-up. Your mom is here <laughs> seeing the show. Oh, uh, so nervous. <laughs> and I love that you said sometimes you want her to be your mom and not your dance teacher. Right. <laughs> I completely get that. So that is wonderful. I, I love ending this podcast with a song that's inspirational for you as either a performer or as a, a human. Mm -hmm. what would you end this podcast with i have to pick dancing through life from wicked yeah that's a great song <laughs> that is a great song yeah well thank you very much i see you have your eyelashes all ready they're ready to go i just gotta glue them on <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much thank you brad dancing through life skimming the surface gliding where turf is smooth Life's more painless for the brainless Why think too hard when it's so soothing Dancing through life, no need to tough it When you can slough it off as I do Nothing matters, but knowing nothing matters It's just life, so keep dancing 
dancing through life, swaying and sweeping, and always keeping cool. Life is fraudless when you're thoughtless. Those who don't try never look foolish. Dancing through life, mindless and careless, make sure you wear less trouble. Swankified place in town. That would be the Ozdust Ballroom. Sounds perfect. Let's go down to the Ozdust Ballroom. We'll meet there later tonight. We can dance till it lights. Find the prettiest girl. Give her a whirl. Right on down to the Ozdust Ballroom. Come on, follow me. You'll be happy to be right there waiting all night. Oh, that's so kind. But you know what would be even kinder? See that tragically beautiful girl, the one in the chair. It seems so unfair. We should go on a spree, and not she. Gee, I know someone would be my hero, if that someone were to go invite her. Maybe I could invite her. Oh, Mick, really? You would do that for me? I would do anything for you, Miss Galinda. So... So I'll be picking you up around eight? After all. Now that we've met one another It's clear we deserve each other we're perfect, so, so we're, we're perfect, perfect together. Born to be forever, dancing through life. Oh, Alphaba, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Finally, for this one night, I'm about to have a fun night with this munchkin boy, Galinda found for me. And I only wish there were something I could do for her to repay her. Alphaba C, we deserve each other, and Galinda helped to come true. We deserve each other, me and Bach. Please, Alphaba, try to understand. I do. Listen, Nessa and I were talking about you just now. And I was just talking about you. I thought you might want to wear this hat to the party tonight. It's really a shark, don't you think? You know black is this year's pink. You deserve each other. This hat 
Lisa. Yes. Vanessa, I've got something to confess, a reason why, well, why I asked you here tonight. Now I know it isn't fair. Oh, Buck, I know why. You do. It's because I'm in this chair and you felt sorry for me. Well, isn't that right? No, no, it's because, uh, because, because you are so Don't you see this is our chance? We deserve each other, don't we, Bach? You know what? Let's dance. What? 